You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 487. We're coming up on 500, David Cohen. Yeah, what are we going to do? Celebrate? Nothing. <laughs> That's my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think the number is arbitrary, obviously. I mean, because we've skipped weeks. We do it every other show, if that, right now. Yeah. Combining yeah. with, you know, the Geeks Pub. And, uh, you know, it, it's more about time for us. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. what we ought to do is go back and see what year it was, year and month that you started recording with us on the MyMac show. Um, I mean, I know I, I released the first episode of the MyMac podcast in December of 2004, which yeah, means I, I'm I, almost at 20 years podcasting. Yeah, I'm going to say... 2005 i remember i had the mac mini so uh the first the original 1.4 so we're about two years away from recording shows together yeah yeah two, 20 years ago 20 years almost yeah, yeah. So, that's yeah. a long time it is and uh i think by the time we get to 500 we can officially say this is no longer the new show <laughs> eh, i don't know <laughs> It's funny because we do the Geeks Pub as well, and I hope a lot of listeners here on TechFan listen to us over there. But um, that doesn't feel like the new show. I know I don't know why it never did. No, it never did. No, it's weird. Yeah, perception. So we've got a bunch of articles, and we've got uh, to discuss, and uh, of course we've got some feedback from John Nemo, which is awesome. I actually combined two of his into one because we accidentally skipped it. Um, yep. So. Let's jump into it. The first thing I want to talk about a little bit, though, here is you've got this article uh, for GameStop yeah. that they're getting targeted for robberies a lot, which is, I thought, kind of ironic because you brought up a point that the, when I think of GameStop, I don't think of video games, really, which is no, not, kind not of what anymore. you're supposed to think about when you think of GameStop, no? Yeah. Well, as I was just saying to you, the last time I went to GameStop was last year when I was in San Francisco. And... Um, what was I? Ale- oh, that's right. Alexander is is really into Splatoon, and yeah. he wanted some Splatoon gear. And I'd looked. I mean, I'm in downtown San Francisco. It's not exactly, certainly after COVID, not exactly awash with retail opportunities. No. Nope. So i i took a um, i i took a, a ride on the Bart down down into the suburbs of San Francisco and found a GameStop, and that was the first time i've been in one in the GameStop, a GameStop in the U, U, u.s for many years um yeah and and it it was interesting i was looking for splatoon gear because that's mostly what they sell is uh what you said tchotchkes yeah, yeah they sell plushies and you know game related merchandise and key rings and t-shirts and stuff like that but not they they don't really emphasize the game so much anymore because who buys did who buys physical games so much anymore so, so i find this story amusing because what are um, you stealing in there yeah well they're stealing apparently they're not they are starting to get stock of consoles and people are stealing them from there but it's um, not difficult you're not going to make a whole lot of money getting a ps5 anymore because they're kind of readily available i could order oh. and have a ps5 within a couple of days well, so the problem is, I think, is a lot of people don't realise how readily available they are. And so if somebody offers one on Facebook for a premium, then other people are going to go, OK, well, that, that sounds like something I'm going to do. But even if, you, even if you're not buying them retail, even if you want to, let's face it, a stolen PS5, if you sell it for 20, 30 percent under retail, you stole it, you're still making pure profit. Sure, yeah. And and I guess the guys are targeting GameStop because, you know, the other thing I noticed in GameStop is that there's hardly anybody employ, employees in no, there. No, I've never you seen steal more from, than two people in a GameStop in yeah. forever. If you want to steal from Target or Walmart, you're going to have to deal with a whole load of people or Best Buy or any of the other places that might stock these things. Whereas these GameStops are these little shops in strip malls. And I would imagine they're quite quite a lot easier to knock over if that's what you want to do um and uh you know it's tough because gamestop really is a business that seems to have been on life support for a long time and, well they uh, got a lot of um i guess you'd say pr when the whole you know let's short wall street and buy GameStop yeah, thing. Wall, went wall street bets thing yeah happened but that's only um, going to take them so far I, I don't know what their business model is because uh, i well, have a GameStop here it's tchotchkes we have yeah. a GameStop here in uh, my hometown, and there's another one 
two actually in Kalamazoo where I work. And I've gone into the Kalamazoo. There's one in kind of a popular mall area that's always busy. They always seem to have quite a few customers. All the other ones I've ever been into is it's tchotchkes, it's plushies and t-shirts and some used games. Um, it, it feels weird going into one. So, it's like they don't know quite what they're doing. They would like it to be, you know, 1998 again. You could kind of tell, but it's not. Well, it may be that business of, of selling game-related paraphernalia is a good business for them. I mean, it's... If you if you know if you're not into gaming but you have somebody in your life who is and you want to buy them a gift then that's going to be perhaps something that you might be interested in and there is something with when you're when you're browsing when you're browsing for merchandise there is something about being able to browse it rather than looking on a website yeah a lot of the stuff you get on the web on a website is disappointing in terms of quality or size or um, uh, robustness or something like that whereas uh, when you're actually browsing it you can actually size it up and figure out whether it whether it works for you and that sort of thing and of, of course seeing all of that stuff in one place and perhaps coming across stuff you might not have thought of might be attractive so it could be that that's a good business for GameStop in which case they should probably focus on that and maybe stop selling the consoles that are being knocked over from these strip mall stores uh, I don't know we uh, every time Cole gets some cash for a birthday or Christmas or something, we he always wants to go to two, one of two stores. GameStop being one of them, and the other one's this place called Disc Traders. And Disc right. Traders is all about they've got a couple of new things in there, but it's really about uh, nostalgia number one for my age group and our age group, yeah. And then stuff for the younger kids too, like Cole. And yeah, it, it's a pretty decent store. There, I think they're probably a little pricier than. I could get online, but we're looking at stuff. Um, Cole is really into Pokemon. He has been for years. Mm-hmm. And he was always looking for the original games, and they still go for a lot of money, those Pokemon games, especially the Game Boy Advanced and, you know, uh, yeah, Ale- those go Ale- for Alexand- a lot. Yeah, Alexander has just recently gotten out and charged up his Nintendo DS and started playing the early Pokemon games again. And so, so. the problem with buying them online is... 99 out of 100 times when you get one on eBay, it's a it's a fake. Yeah. It works, but it's not the real game. It's, yeah. it's clearly a knockoff. And there's things to look for, but the counterfeiters are getting better at hiding it. But Cole generally will recognize what he got ripped off on one. So he wants to buy them in person. And that's where GameStop and uh, Disc Traders come in. But GameStop generally doesn't have that stuff. They'll have recent used games. You know, they used to. I remember years ago going into a GameStop store and they had just the cartridges without the boxes kind of um, in in these little racks and they were cheap, cheap. Yep. You know, but that was that was towards the end of the 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 DS era. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't understand their. I hope they survive. I don't like to see any store that's I think is a good thing going under business, going out of business. I I don't. Um, Yeah. But I don't know what their model is moving forward. I don't think there's a huge market for tchotchke stuff. Not at least not enough to, you know. Well, they've I, got three. They've got three thousand stores across the U.S. I mean, the nostalgia market. I'm not. I'm not sure whether it could sustain that many, but maybe it can. Maybe the the stores are low overhead enough. They they are run at a real. Um, low cost as much as they can because of that very few staff um, you can tell by going into this place a lot of these guys are um, you know minimum wage workers it's not it's not exactly a lucrative career no um, uh, and of course that's part of the problem if if the place is getting knocked over is that uh, you've got lo- minimum wage workers who are being affected by robbery and that's that's not great either no you don't um, keep employees th- and when they get robbed a lot yeah, but three thousand stores is still a heck of a lot for uh, that's for a that footprint. business nowadays. Yeah, you were uh, linking to something for the Waze security cameras. This was uh, for the beginning of the month. Um, kind of interesting. Waze is kind of a, a one of the bigger brands when it comes to the home security stuff. And this is, you know, you install it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's all internet-based, and you use your smartphone, but there is a keypad, and I, they basically went down for a few hours. 
Yeah, this is just to be clear. This is Wise, not Waze. Waze, Wise, Waze, yeah. Waze, Waze is the Google mapping company. Wise is a security camera system. Aren't they spelled um, the same? No, one's W A and one's oh, okay. W Y. Gotcha. Okay, but um, yeah, the problem is, is that is that it's all cloud based, and the cloud went down, and the whole thing went off. Which for a security system is not really ideal. No, well, it all still worked. It just. It's not going to call the police or the monitoring company. Well, it's not going to call you either. That was the problem. Is yeah. There was no way for it to contact you. Um, it doesn't have any... Um, it doesn't have any um, kind of backup uh, in terms of, uh, you know, using... A, a lot of these systems use that can plug into a phone line or cellular or something like that. This had nothing. Um but the problem is your internet would be up, but it still wouldn't notify you because obviously their systems were down. Yeah. And, um, you know, this is kind of sold as a, it's not sold as a consumer system. It's sold as a professional and part of their smart home environment, but it's kind of sold as something, it's sold as something a bit better than just a simple ring system or something like that. And yet if the cloud goes down, then that is really, really bad. If you're relying on it, and what happens if you get robbed in that time? Do you have any? Do they have any liability? No. You're not going to be very happy if you spent hundreds of dollars on a system, um, and so, you know they 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 have electronic locks and stuff like that as well. So um, yeah, it's not really great if uh, if it's so reliant on the internet and they can't they can't maintain it. That's the problem. Well, but here's my counter to that. When you get the system, you know that it's running on the internet. You know it's not plugged into a phone line because you're the one that does it all, right? Yeah. Well, if the internet goes down, which shockingly happens quite often, um, it's not working then either. Well, yeah, but the the thing is, is you can control that because you no, can. No, you don't. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course you do. You can buy many people. They sell them all over the UK. You can buy these routers that basically will switch to a cellular connection if the. Uh, if the main internet goes down to, to retain connectivity, those became very popular during lockdown because, um, you know, it was important to main, to maintain connection. Um, or you could have two systems. If it was really important to you, you could have two different internet connections and allow the system to roam between one and the other. But the problem is, is that... Not every that community wise, has multiple. <laughs> I, no, I don't no, know if I you've been to the U.S. lately because there's so many areas and quite popular, popular and populous areas that only has one internet provider. And the only way yeah. to get to the cellular network would be tying it to your phone. Yeah, I, the, the, I think the difficulty is is that people kind of one of the reasons that people like the cloud is there is an expectation. Oh, it's in a big data center somewhere. They'll do what they need to do to keep it going. Um, you know, it's spread over multiple computers. It's far more reliable than just me having one thing in my house. And yet, you look at the list of what went down with this and. That basically their entire infrastructure went down everything you would think that they would have a, a, a secondary system exactly. that they could just route people to that while they rebuild or upgrade the the main system switch them back and then upgrade and you know push out updates to the backup system but yeah and and then of course you know hidden in the small print is the terms of first service say that they have the right to temporarily suspend service without any notice and that you have no recourse for refund rebates credits or anything like that and and of course you know that's that's not sold front and center when these systems are sold it's not like you know yeah we we this is great it's cheap it's really it's brilliant and everything and then and then nobody says and it also it might not be reliable yeah, that's not sold as a marketing feature. Quite the opposite. Yeah. And, and I think that's the concern, really. Um, you know, and we've talked about home automation before and, um, you know, how sometimes it's, it's, it's adding infrastructure to give you very little benefit uh, and you're actually better doing it the old way. And, you know, we talked about that a few weeks ago. And, um, you know, when it comes to your security... Uh, your home security or your business's security, and let's face it, a lot of these systems might be sold to businesses rather than the homes. Um, you you want to have, you should have some sense of reliability behind it, and it's a bit concerning when the entire website and everything they operate goes down. You know, the whole thing goes offline. It's um, eye-opening. I, I, and I really just dislike the way they go right the email they sent starts with hey friends that's <laughs> like friends like those you don't need enemies yeah it's just um 
it's it's just yeah it's just not great really and no. and you know they they also as well they said it was scheduled maintenance right because they gave a note ahead of time right so it's even worse if you have an outage because something breaks that's one thing but if you've designed your architecture for a security system that when you need to do major updates to it you've got to take the entire thing offline and all your customers then that's just a lousy architecture you know well that's what i, mean, I said should, you know they, they yeah, should have should a have a availability built in yeah yeah, that, yeah i mean there's a reason we back up our computers there's yeah. a reason you're supposed to be backing up your phone so if you lose the phone, you don't lose all your data. Yeah. You know, the pictures and the videos and all your contacts and, you know, the basics. Yeah. Somebody, somebody in the comments said, basically, it's the purge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not too far off from that comment. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, I uh, well, hopefully I, w- I wouldn't the, buy like, from them. No. Hopefully, though, the black eye that they're getting for the PR on this will make them reconsider how they're doing business and. You know that that's the hope. When you post something like this, eventually they're going to make a change so it doesn't happen in the future. And it's a big investment on their end, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, even it seems like every tech site I'm on nowadays is, keeps talking about chat AI, and so I'm sick so, of it. I'm so sick of it as well. Yeah. I think that it needs to all be unplugged. Um, well, the problem is, is that. For a start, it's not AI. No, <laughs> it's it's not AI. It's and everyone's and... everyone's treating it as if it's if it's real AI, if it's HAL nine thousand, and it isn't. Okay, what it is is a very sophisticated autocorrect system. These things don't know what they're saying, and that's why, uh, as as the hype machine has geared up over the last month over this, we're now in the phase where people are realizing it's nowhere near as good as they made it out to be at the start. I'm, to, I'm point, talk, talking to the tech press at, at the moment. Yeah, you know, this is completely utterly their responsibility. They've blown it up. The mainstream press has picked it up, and they understand it even less than the tech press does. Yep. and everyone's going on like you know, this is this is the next game changer in tech and it just isn't we've seen that we saw this with smart speakers we saw this with crypto and now we are with this as well where basically it's overhyped and overinflated beyond what it is all these systems do is when they make a conversation with you you ask them a question is word word and if you use chat gpt you can see this word by word they figure out what the next word should be based on having scanned the all the text they can from the internet and applying some machine learning models to that. So it's not AI. It's not it's not intelligent at all. In fact, it's less than intelligent because all it does is say, well, typically when somebody writes this sentence, what words are in this sentence and what, what words follow in the next sentences? And unsurprisingly, because it's been trained on the internet, it's not hard to get these things to say things that are false, um, that are... Um, tonally off that are overly aggressive that are um in some cases um you know breach some of our social conventions and norms and that sort of thing so much so that this this week microsoft's one they actually turned it down to the point you couldn't make more than five queries at a time because if you kept going at it in a conversation by the time you got to back um question 15 or 16 uh, it started getting quite nasty yeah. As well as Kevin, as I don't well know as if you read Kevin Rose's New York Times piece with a very long conversation with uh, with Microsoft system, and yeah. it started telling him he lo- that it loves him. He should leave his wife. It's just yeah. bizarro it's, stuff. I mean, yeah, because they're not intelligent. They haven't even got basic fact checking on it. In both the Google and the Microsoft demonstrations, when they first announced these, the bots made. Um, suppositions that were actually factually wrong yeah where they said you know the james webb telescope was the first thing to image an exoplanet it wasn't um uh what was the other one um oh i forget now but anyway it doesn't matter they're they're not as as intelligent well they're not intelligent at all yeah they are they are parrots they are literally parrots when a parrot speaks english at you it doesn't understand what it's saying it just knows that those sounds are generally that, that that those phrases in in that order generally give it approval. Now I and this do is think f- it works well for search. <laughs> I think that's where this could really actually come in handy, where you ask a question and it looks at the internet and gives you what it thinks is probably the best response. 
Right, the but I have a problem is, with that as well. Well, the problem with that is, is there a monetary back end that it's going to give you information that's being paid to, i.e., um, Pillsbury is sponsoring Microsoft's you know chat this week, so I want a banana nut recipe, and it gives me or banana bread recipe, and it gives me one, but I have to go buy you know the one that it suggests is I go buy this Pillsbury product. Well, I have less problems with that because that's kind of how search works today. The sponsored results always come up first. Um, and very often Google is very bad at this, at not not making you realize that actually it's pr- it prioritizing results based on advertising and sponsorship. But no, what worries me more is the fact that as humans, when somebody tells us something in a conversational tone, we tend to assume it's truer than if we have to assess it ourselves from a list of links. And we already know from the internet that on a list of links, we can sometimes click on the wrong thing and get misinformation. If, if it, this thing is conversationally telling you, asserting something to you, most people are going to, we're programmed to take that as, you know, truer, be less critical of it than, than if we have to do some assessment ourselves. This is why misinformation works so well on social media. And so, so to take our search um, functions and, and, put that layer of obfuscation in again when we know because of the way these models work that they don't do any fact checking they're just trying to assemble words in the right order so they will quite happily give you a link that's wrong or um is actually understood to be misinformation because they don't understand that i don't what i don't understand is why microsoft and google who are the two big ones who who seem to be fighting it out over this have launched these products without building in basic cross-checking of of the information they give you as part of the function right um i don't understand why you would do that because otherwise basically it is literally a parrot and why would you go well this is the next big big thing and then people find people who, who are bothered to, to try and find out find out that it's not accurate when in fact night you know 90 percent of people would just take it as red and all you're doing is spreading misinformation it's um it's worrying some I mean, yeah, and the I hyperbole in the yeah, press. Yeah, well, that's is, what I was going to get to. It's it's a little bit, it's a little bit over the top now. Well, there's no, there's so little it, because what the way this works, and, and we see this all the time, is that the news stories from the launches are relentlessly positive because they're written by people who've just taken all the PR muck from the companies and, and regurgitated the stories. Yes. Yeah. Right. And then what happens is other journalists come along and they're more critical. Yeah. And then what, what's been happening in these cases, some of these systems have been trashing the journalists. Yeah. Yep. If you ask them about the articles which say they're not reliable, these systems then turn around and start, start saying that a couple of these journalists, they said, oh, they then, um, you know, they've won this award and that award, but you know what? They're liars and they're unreliable. And you shouldn't listen to anything they say, which is completely, utterly wrong. And um, that's because it's regurgitating some garbage off social media, probably, or something inside the internal systems at Microsoft or Google, where people have been talking about this and going, oh, well, you know, they don't understand or what have you. And these stupid systems are, are putting that out and telling people that these uh, journalists raising legitimate complaints about these systems are liars or inaccurate. Um, it's it's uh, the whole thing just seems to be um, miss. It's you know I think they shouldn't have been launched in the situation in the position they're in, and yeah, I think the media really needs to take a long hard look at itself and not stop this jumping on a bandwagon about everything is the next greatest thing without any criticality behind it. Yep, I agree with you on you that, know? and even yeah, some big. People that I would expect to yeah. be a little bit more critical of it seems to be like this is these are awesome, and it's like eh, are they are they really awesome? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think it works well for some applications. I, and you posted this one about Sports Illustrated is publishing um, fitness advice that's largely generated by one of these systems, and I don't. I, I've got some kind of a problem with that in that it's like, well, you don't have actual writers that can do it. Their response is, well, writers are expensive. This is cheaper, which they're yeah. right. They are. But you still yeah, have to have a writer or an editor go in yeah. and verify the information that it's still correct, in which case, and not only, well, not only that, it's fitness. Yes. Yeah. You want fitness to be 
driven by people who have experience. I know that. Well, I know fitness is is kind of nowadays is a an adjunct to the cosmetics industry, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of crap there always pointed out there. Yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate that. You know, a lot of people say you if you do this, it will change your life, and and this, that, and the other. But um, you know, we've we've had situations in the UK. You know, uh, a lot of people drink turmeric coffee now. Have you heard of this? Yes. Yeah. And and I read a story the other day about this this, this lady who basically needs a liver transplant now because she's drunk far too much turmeric, and uh, you just kind of think, well, if you have if you have systems saying do this, it will make you really healthy, and people believe it, um, then that is a problem. And the issue with AI generated stuff is that it, all it's doing is regurgitating crap again. Yep, uh, and you have to wonder. You know, if if you're the editor on that and you've got a deadline to meet and you need to publish something for the website, are you going to turn around and say, well, actually, you know, there's, there's a danger here. Or are you going to go, oh, it'll be OK? Well, it's you obvious know? what they're going to do. <laughs> yeah, they're going to take the responsible thing and go away and look up all the studies uh, and spend four or five weeks debating it in the newsroom about whether there's an appropriate story to run. Yeah. Because, <laughs> of course they are. I, yeah. That's kind of the whole thing, isn't it? You know, I, and what I don't understand as well is we already have, I mean, you can spot the computer-generated stuff on the internet already, and it's not good. No, you know, the, it's the, always the, very, it doesn't have any person. When we think of our yeah. favorite writers, whether it's a tech press or a novel, you have personal, I, I like this guy. This guy writes yeah. good stuff. Um, in the tech world, with the Mac Bend, if you will, John Gruber, for instance. Yeah. If he started using this, we wouldn't. You would know it immediately. You'd be like, yeah. "Oh, this isn't. This sounds weird. This is. This doesn't read like John Gruber." So that's right. So where do you draw the line? Well, we need three paragraphs on the best practices of doing sit-ups. Well, I can have someone write it. It's going to take them a few hours, or I can literally generate it right here in chat. Uh, using Microsoft or Google, and I can read it and go, "Yep, that's good," and then just post it. Yeah. Um, my, so, my are you doing I, content yeah. for content's sake, or are you actually I know. benefit for something? There's a difference. And my, I think the companies pro- that are going to go with yeah. the chat stuff is it's just about money. It's not about the advice yeah. that they're giving. Yeah, my, my I work in an industry where I generate advice. I work in IT consultancy, and Microsoft are talking about putting this directly into Word so that it can generate content for you. And to me, I I just think, well, I, I hope I'm going to be able to spot it straight away because generic fluff. There's enough generic fluff in consultancy documents as there are. I can imagine words that don't really say anything. Yeah. And uh, the last thing I want is more computer generated stuff like that in there. I do remember once. Um, Many, many years ago, uh, I we had a junior guy in the company and I was working with him on a project and he wrote a report for a client and um, the client complained to me and I said, what's wrong? They said, well, we found this, we put the entire text of the report into Google and we found a big chunk of it on Wikipedia, right? Yep. Which um, obviously I wasn't happy about, the guy shouldn't have done that, but... <laughs> I kind of thought, what sort of, what sort of customer puts the entire report to Google to try and find? You know, there was there was a breakdown in trust there. Put it that way. But nevertheless, obviously, we had to admonish the junior employee for not doing that. I was really tempted to actually say to the um, the client, "I was said, yo, yeah, uh, you know, the reason that is is because we wrote the article on Wikipedia." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which would have really put them in their place, but obviously I couldn't do that. But I was tempted. Um, I would have been tempted. <laughs> That's because we're so so experts on that article that we that on that subject we wrote the article for Wikipedia. <laughs> um, let's move on. Let's uh, talk about yeah. this. Isn't a surprise. <laughs> it, this has been a thing with computers since the dawn of computers, but. The new uh, Galaxy S23 Android system <laughs> has bloated up. This is before you install any of your apps or take any pictures. It, it's now at 60 gigabyte OS install. <laughs> Good God. What remember, are, when phones, remember when phones used to come to 16 gig as standard? Well, the iPhone used to come to yeah. 16 gig. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is this is getting out of hand. Yeah. You know, so if you buy a 256 
gigabyte phone, well, really, it, it's going to be under 200 gigabytes that's available to you because they're taking up a fifth of the operate of the hard drive space now. And, of and course, it's all bloatware is, crap. Yeah, this is this is a particularly a Samsung problem because Samsung, um, I, I I had a I had one of those folding flip uh, Samsung phones for a bit last year, and what they do is they take everything that Google provides and they provide their own version of it. So that's part of the problem. I mean, it's it's not even adware or stuff you could generally say is useful. It's like, you know, Google provides Google Mail, so Gmail. So Samsung has to have their own mail app on there, their own calendar app, their own store. Um, basically, they replicate everything. And then there's a whole load of tchotchkes that do different things to do with the phone and notionally give you... I, I don't uh, understand you know. what they're doing because this is 60 gigabytes. Guess what the iPhone is right now? Uh, a base cool. install, no third-party anything. It's it's iOS. It's yeah. just under three gigabytes. Yes. <laughs> it's three gigabytes. And it's arguably a better OS than Android. Well, yeah. You, I mean, Android is actually meant to, because it's modular and everything, it's meant to be more efficient and... <laughs> You know, less less overhead even than iOS, where everything is all fully integrated and the rules, you can't do this, you can't do that. Um, Android's meant to be a little bit freer. Um, but, you know, this is, yeah, this is, look, I, I, I've got to, got to be honest. I look at Sorry, Samsung by the way, phone. I was incorrect. The 2.8 was the full update. Uh, right. The, the amount of space it takes on your phone is about 8 gigabytes. Okay. But even right. still, it's 60 that gigabytes. Is- yeah. Are you? What are you installing? That's taking oh. that much. Uh, uh, what kind of bloatware is on there? Well, well, we can look at we can look at some of the stuff that's here in this uh, Ars Technica article. We've got um, Bixby, which is their own voice assistant. We've got the Galaxy Shop. We've got an app for the Galaxy Wear um, uh, OS. They've got their own messages app, separate from from Google Messaging. They've got a pen app. They've got Samsung Health because Google does that as well, but they have to do their own one. They've got um, Samsung membership app. They've got their own files app. They've got a TV app for their own TV service. They've got Smart Things, which is their own smart home service. Um, they've got an AR app. They've got their own search app. Uh, and this is before the basics where you get where you've got um, mail, um, calendar contacts they do all their own versions of these they've got their own camera app obviously they've got their own browser in there um you know they they've got their own notes app um they've got a a thing called samsung free which is more more apps they've got a different calculator app than the one that that google provides um they basically replicate everything but because they want the google play store they have to carry all the google versions of that as well and their apps are um horrible bloated things that normally aren't as functional as the original ones right as well so so it's a lot of it is is unnecessary crapware they're also bundling a whole load of stuff in there as well they've got the usual suspects you know microsoft apps netflix that sort of thing it's just Um, awful you know and and one of the other things they can't do because they've got so much stuff is the lighter phones um on on, um, android now use a um, an ab system so that basically means they have two partitions with two copies of the base OS on. And that means if you need to do an update, they apply it to the one you're not using and then they switch over, which means the updates can be done in the background and um, it's just a phone reboot and you get the update straight away. I, I would Fun. imagine that. Well, well, yeah, I mean, look, but the thing is that at least that's better than what Samsung has to do because they've got so much stuff in there, they can't do that. So right. basically they have to spend 40 50 minutes updating the phone during which time you can't use it because while they're applying updates the phone is offline because they've got such a big partition they can't do a b partitioning crazy so yeah um uh, you know look i i respect samsung in some respects for some of their hardware innovations on the phones they're trying different things in some respects you know the folding stuff is interesting and all of that sort of stuff we've talked before about how phones are just being all the you know one generic big black slab now but this sort of stuff makes me wonder why anybody buys a samsung phone because you know they just don't realize what a terrible experience they're getting well that's exactly right that's why people are buying it they don't know yeah and and i I, as i said i had that phone last year and i spent considerable amount of time basically deleting all this stuff i didn't want 
um, it was quite an overhead trying to manage all that stuff and deal with it. And setting the phone up was not simple at all. You know, the quite all the other things like we get with iPhone, such as like um, the Google the Google version of Wallet and everything. Right. Like, Samsung has their own. Yeah, of course they and do. They, 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 they? they push you to use theirs rather than Google's. Um, and it just all becomes very confusing because you go like, where is my stuff? Is it in this one or is it in that one? You know, Why I, I, I do deal that? with people on their phones every day because I got to connect them to the fo- to cars. Yeah. And it, it's getting more and more, You well, on some titles, you have to have your smartphone to even get the nav- built-in navigation to work. Yeah. Um, one of the issues that I had was had a person buy a brand new Highlander, right? And I spent literally 20 minutes in the car with them trying to figure out how to set their home address in the, in the built-in navigation. It turns out you have to do it in the Toyota app, which is stupid. Um, yeah. And I never figured it out. The customer actually figured it out and called me on the way to work. Cause I told him when I left, when he left, I was like, if you figure it out, please let me know because I'm at my wits end. I couldn't, I Googled it. Nobody, there was nothing out there about it. And it just goes to show how many companies, including Toyota, the cars that I sell, uh, is pushing more and more to stuff to apps and all that kind of thing. That the phone is, you have to have your phone connected to these new yeah. cars. And so I'm dealing with their phones all the time, especially my older customers. They're just handing me their phone because as much work you have to do on the phone now, connecting it, setting it up, giving it permissions for Apple CarPlay or Android Auto. When they say they're on Android, I have to take a deep breath because the experience is so much worse. There, yeah. it's There's no rhyme or reason to where apps are on the home screen. There is no real home screen anymore. It, it's all well, the, over the place. You swipe up or you swipe left and it's here. No, it's over there. It's just, yeah, it's just it, terrible. It is. Confu- I, I agree with you. It's confusing if you're not used to it. If you're coming from the iPhone where it's much simpler because they have. It's uh, not that I'm not used to it. It's that there's no rhyme or reason. There's no well, real it's because every phone, it. Yeah. Every phone kind of does it a little bit differently. Exactly. That's one of the, uh, and I'm using air quotes here, advantages of Google is that you can choose one that that kind of suits you and then some um, of the and android of course, phones have android auto some of them you don't you have to download it and then yeah permissions are in three different spots i mean it's just yeah. it's just an awful experience and i want to tell these people just get just get an iphone i plug so it in just, the yeah. phone says can i use this as apple carplay and the car says can i use this phone is it for apple carplay yeah. and you say yes on both places you're literally done, done. that's done. it done yeah, and then the interface you get on the screen in the so car is very much the same as as what you get on the phone. It's but quite it, simple. But it's it's beyond that. It's just clean and logical. Yeah. Whereas Android Auto is just a mess. There's stuff on the car screen now that is for apps they didn't even know they had, and they don't have any functionality. You're like, I don't know yeah. why this is even the, on here. Yeah, I don't look. I I do sympathise that some people find the Apple approach limiting. You know, I, I recently did a, a, a managed um, moving all our company iPhones to management. So they all got taken over in part parts of their phones, but into a managed space within Tune. And we concentrated on the Microsoft stuff because that's our business, right? Um, we had a couple of people who basically weren't using their iPhones. They want they were using Android, their own personal Android phones. And after I'd done this, of course, we turned off Android access. We don't have any Android phones in the business. And they were going, oh, I want to use my Android phone. And they wouldn't. We, when we, we just had to say, well, I'm sorry, corporately, you have to use what we've issued you, just as like you have to use your laptop. And for security reasons and for our company accreditation purposes, you need to use the controlled one. And I had people going, well, yeah, but I'm just not as productive on I- iOS. And, you know, you just kind of go, well, look, you may feel that because it's not what you're used to. But actually, nowadays, everything you can do on iOS, you can do on Android and vice versa. Um, and in some respects, it might be easier. Other respects, it might be harder. But they're actually broadly the similar. similar. And I found that the Android experience, if you get the base Android experience without the rubbish on it, um, is is, you know, it's, it's pretty mature. It's some places it's slightly different, but you can get what you need done, done without any particular problem um so there's I'm, I'm not really a subscriber to the you know uh one is better than the other they're just different but when it comes to all this bloatware then then that is different and interestingly this article um google says that the base install of um 
uh, Android, current version of Android, on one of their phones, which specifically doesn't come with all this garbage, is um, four and a half gigabytes, not sixty. So yeah, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there. Of stuff. It's 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 pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what else do we got on here, David? I mean, we've had a YouTube thing up here that it's kind of just here. So gaming YouTubers say videos are being um, demonetized due to profanity policies. Um, I hate profanity uh, policies. I I really do. Yeah. I I can't stand them. There's, I I subscribe to the George Carlin of bad words. Mm -hmm. And I have since I was a teenager. There are no such thing as bad words. There's bad intentions. Yeah. That if I say, you know, if I use the F word as an emphasis, this is effing great. That's not a bad word. Yeah. If I say David is effing stupid, that's a bad word. Yeah. There's a different in intent with the word. And I don't like the thought police. I really don't. Now, I don't think you should be, I don't think if it's a private platform like YouTube or Twitter, or if they have policies against, hey, um, we find these words offensive and uh, we don't allow them on our system, that's their right. 100% their right to do so. So when they're upset about this, I get it, but... Well, here's my my question to you, right? I I swear myself, but not not that often. Um, And so if you were in public... Right, and you were talking, say to Julie or something like. That. I don't know how often you and Julie swear at each other in terms she of doesn't. you know. You're right. Okay, so fine. So, but if there was a a small child in earshot, would you swear? Would you use profanity, or would you curb your language? I would curb my language, but out of respect right. for their parent. Because out of respect, exactly. Thought. Yeah, yeah. No, this to me, this is exactly the same problem. Right, if you want to have profanity in your in your video channel you've got perfect right to do that just run your own channel don't use youtube youtube has to think about their broader audience and they have to think about the criticism they're going to get if some of these very popular channels that are um, very often perused by children yeah despite the you know the limit a 30 the 30 age 13 limit and even at 13 age limit some people don't want their kids hearing what they consider to be unnecessary profanity. Yeah. Right. Um, that's YouTube's prerogative. And, you know, these guys, the, the, their approach is very entitled. It's like, well, we make money off this and we you're curbing our business if you implement these policies out the blue. And it's like, yeah, but it's not your platform. <laughs> this podcast, we can swear as much as we want. They would argue because, that the platform wouldn't exist without them, without well, the content well, creators, which may, well, they, is they could ar- of a They point. can argue that, but you know what? YouTube did fine before they had Twitch streamers and video game streamers and stuff like YouTube became a multi-billion dollar business without these guys. Yeah, they can they can say well, YouTube wouldn't survive without us. They, they they did because of these guys, but not exclusively because of the, yeah. it was it was all the content. Look, YouTube doesn't do anything themselves. It's yeah. all user generated, and by user, I do mean companies as well. Uh, user yeah. generated content. That's why YouTube is still number one when it comes to streaming. Yeah, everyone always wants to talk about oh, who's number one in streaming? Is it Netflix? Is it Disney Plus? No, it's YouTube. It's a hundred percent YouTube, and it's not even yeah. close. That's right. But these these guys don't seem to realize that they have entered into a partnership. Right. They think they think it's not a partnership. They think it's all about them. Yep. And in fact, it is a partnership. It's a partnership with YouTube. If YouTube decides to change their policies or enforce their policies or anything, that is YouTube's right. And you know what? Using profanity on your pod, on your um, Twitch stream. Uh, that's then going through to YouTube or anything, right? If you can't deliver the content without complying with those policies, then that's a you problem. That's not a YouTube problem. Yeah. You know, a lot of these guys are upset because they, uh, it's been retro, retrospectively applied to Older videos content. they made earlier. Yep. And, and, they, and you know, it's being demonetized. It's like, well, okay. But you know what? <laughs> We're always being told by these guys that the content has to be fresh. Yep. Yeah, they've got to be doing new. You know what? If you if it bothers you that much, go back to the content that's been demonetized and redo it. 
most of these things are, are video game playthroughs and stuff like that from from many of these guys go and redo it without the profanity or go through the audio track and bleep out the profanity yep. and then resubmit it problem solved what you can't be doing is going whining to everybody saying oh well, they're taking my livelihood away from me it's a partnership yeah yeah just in the same way that if i go into my job and I start swearing like a, a sailor, and the, my co-workers and other people and my clients don't like it, I will have ramifications because they're my employer. And, you know, that's an even tighter restriction than you than YouTube are imposing on these guys, and they're still whining about it. I, don't, I really... It, it does annoy me when people go, oh, well, I've got this entitled right to the money that I earn through this platform, and you, they don't realise it's a partnership. Yep. Let's talk about uh, our feedback here. We got, I combined yeah. two different feedbacks from John Nemo. Uh, mm. I think they're both good. There's a lot mm. of good content in here. So go ahead and. Uh... Yeah. So first of all, John says, do you remember when you discussed Neil Young dropping out of Spotify? Yeah. Didn't he rejoin it? He did. Yeah. yeah. Shocker. John. Joni Mitchell left Spotify also. And this messed me up because I was teaching music class here at the University of Arizona that featured their music. I had to scramble and improvise at the last minute, and I realized there was a bunch of good Joni Mitchell videos on YouTube I could use. I'm a premium subscriber, so I can play anything without ads. But wait, there's more. YouTube also has a companion music service called YouTube Music. I had never tried it, so I started poking around, and guess what? Neil and Joni and all the righteous musicians who dumped Spotify there are on YouTube Music, along with a bazillion gazillion other musicians. Because there's no curation on YouTube, in spite of it being the world's biggest jukebox, the audio quality varies, but the quantity and bizarre range of available music tracks associated with the videos is extraordinary. I am now able to use that in all my classes, including the forthcoming showcase on the recently departed David Crosby. Yeah. Apple Music is a mess, and YouTube Music is a success. Spotify still has superior lyrics presentation, but the one on YouTube music is a close second. So that's interesting to know. Um, I'm just going back to my previous point, though. I mean, so artists and Spotify and people like that, again, if you're using them to do something else, then these sorts of things can happen. And, and I think if you're using it to rely on a class or a um, something that's generating money, it's it's a useful thing to have a fallback in case yes, something goes wrong. That's why we have you know, competition. <laughs> Yeah, so it's good. I'm glad YouTube Music exists. Um, if if it were me, I to agree. be honest, yep. I I would I would if I was doing a class on the music, I would probably look at, at getting hold of the tracks rather than streaming them. So you've got them and you can use them whenever you want, rather than relying on downloading them from Spotify. Um, yeah, because you, know, you are you. Yeah, you are. You just got to remember, you are always beholden. You know, we've had this with Amazon Music for years, uh, from Apple Music for years. You remember when the fuss when stuff disappeared from the iPod because it was taken down from um, iTunes? Yep. Uh, for whatever reason, and and the, the this is the da- this is the downside of not having the physical CD or record yourself is that you are licensing the right to listen to the music. You are not um, owning the music, and you haven't got your own copy that you can retain control of. We went um, to uh, Felix and I went to a. Um I guess you call it a, a record um, show like last a fair, weekend. Like a record fair. Uh, yeah, like you would call it yeah. a fair over there. We would call it kind of a... I, yeah. don't, I did the, I did that was, when was I was fun. a kid and loved it. Yeah. It, I used to love just browsing thousands and thousands of yeah. records, it, trying if, to find stuff. If yeah. I was looking at getting into music again, as far as collecting, and I'm not. I got rid of all my CDs and stuff. Yeah. I've got a few albums on my wall. They're my favorite albums, and that's the only reason. They're more art than anything. I don't even have a turntable. Um, but I was thinking as we were going over there that Felix is probably going to be the youngest person in the whole place by 20 years, right? It's going to be a bunch yeah. of old farts like you and I. Yeah. Uh, I was mildly surprised that a good 20% were younger people looking through records looking for stuff um cds were in abundance but not as many as the record people and there was a few cassettes but i started Mm -hmm. thinking if i was going to get into music collecting right now from a monetary standpoint that it's going to be worth something i would start buying cassettes because i think that's the next big thing in collectibles getting cassettes well, you think it's going to have a revival in the same yep. way that vinyl has? Yep, yeah. exactly. I, I'd, I'd be interested to see that. I th- the well, because the people is- that bought records are 
uh, of an older generation than you and I. You and I were into cassettes yeah. when we were listening to music. We were, but but that was, you know, I think the problem with cassettes is the quality is just so bad. But they're There's not buying argument. these things for the quality, David. They're buying well, them for the collectability I, I th- of having, this is a cassette I owned that I left in my car yeah. until the cover of the cassette started wilting away from the sun. I mean. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I, I think I think with vinyl there's an argument to be made that there's a there's a, a quality aspect and a kind of a, a, a preservation aspect of preserving good vinyl that that people like. The problem is cassettes were always sounded awful and are very very. But fragile. they were better to present as a collection because uh, for a yeah. CD yeah, you, you can't could read have the you, spine of the CD from any no that's right away. you could put them in those spinal racks right. where you could just see the back of the the back of the tape box yeah. and you could have yeah I had one which yeah you and, know and had, you could see had it from probably two hundred tapes in it exactly yeah. Um, yeah. so I think from a presentation presentation standpoint that's why I think cassettes may make a big comeback <laughs> you can see your collection from a distance um, yeah but it was still interesting to see how many people were there it was wasn't a huge crowd it wasn't a thousand people but there was a, probably a good 250 people or or less you know coming in and out and it was interesting i gave him some money he spent about 100 bucks on stuff and he got all cd's he didn't get any records yeah. i didn't buy anything i, I wanted to but i just ugh, i just don't want the physical thing so i can empathize with john here that when you're looking for a particular song online, and I'll be honest, if I'm on my computer, it, the, my first stop is always YouTube. Because I right. will find the song on YouTube, no question about yeah. it. And the artist didn't upload it. it. Somebody else uploaded this poor quality and poor audio video years and years and years ago, and it's got 7 million hits because other people have been looking for it. And that's the most popular, even if the record company themselves uploaded the original and yeah. much better quality actual video doesn't matter. I don't, I don't understand how, if we were to put a musical track of more than a few seconds into this podcast and then post it to YouTube, we would get DMCA instantly. And yet, you people will put loads and loads of old songs in there, and then the, the everyone appears to just let it slide. Yeah. I don't get that. <laughs> I really don't. But um, anyway, I would also agree so. with him that Apple Music is a mess. It is yeah. just an atrocious mess. I know I talked about this just like I think on the last episode or the one before, but he's a hundred percent right. Apple Music is just a mess. the The interface went from oh, just decent to atrocious, and it just yeah. keeps getting worse. It's almost like at this point in time, Apple really doesn't give a shit about music at all. Uh, it, it is. I completely agree with you. As you know, I switched from Amazon prime music to spotify and um you know i think spotify really is great it does have a great interface it's much more intuitive than apple music or uh prime music um it there's many more tracks on there that i want i'm not getting stuff delisted which i was always getting with with prime music and it's cross-platform it runs on absolutely everything yeah which obviously amazon (laughs) apple music doesn't um you know and uh yeah i am I'm super, super happy with it and quite happy to give them my money. Yep. Um, you know, it's the same sort of money as Apple Music or uh, Prime Music, but, uh, yeah, I'm much, much happier with it. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. But YouTube Music, will have to people have to look into it, if it on John's rec- recommendation, see what's... Uh, well, I've listened like. to, because I'm a subscriber, I'm also a premium subscriber to YouTube, and yeah. the audio quality on YouTube Music is pretty bad some of it you know i listen to it in my car and i've got a very good sound system in there i will say this for apple all of their music sounds amazing it just yeah. sounds great on youtube music not so much it'll play some songs that it's like did they record this from a cassette tape seven years ago yeah. that yeah. that cassette tape itself had been played eight thousand times because there's pops and hisses and just it's awful and i'm like I can't, it's unlistenable in this kind of, and I'd switch over to Apple Music and play the same song and it sounds like it's brand new. Well, it's, I, I, yeah. I mean, is, is YouTube music, is that, is that people who, content people that have uploaded themselves? No, yes. Yeah. They're yeah, just, there all are they're some, doing is there are pulling some people, the actual songs 
and they're streaming it sans video. That's all they're right. doing. Okay, so some people will literally take their phone and hold the microphone in front of the TV when the video is playing and record it. And, and then there's a there's a chance that so- you, well, YouTube's pretty good about weeding out the the atrociously bad stuff. But there's still if yeah. there's only one or two copies, it's a coin flip yeah. if you're going to get the good audio quality or just the shit one. So how 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 expensive is YouTube Music to subscribe to? I don't know. I just paid for right. premium YouTube, and it's just right. Okay, yeah. it's part of that, is it? Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, something to think about. Anyway, definitely um, pros and cons there. But uh, let's continue yeah. with his email. Yeah. So um, John also says thanks for your great coverage of everything tech shows four eighty five four eighty six both very good, especially the most recent one. The best part was when this was the last one we yeah. did. Um, the best part was when Tim told David to button it up because Tim hadn't been able to say anything for too long. We were laughing all across the planet at that one. John, I'm coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Everything you talked about in 486 regarding screens and connections, refrigerators and air conditioners, all I mean, all of it, needs to be voice activated. You guys really let us down by admitting that. Ha ha. Um, um, I, I refer you to our previous segment. <laughs> yeah, well, here's the issue with voice activation. I don't want to be telling all my stuff all the time, you know, turn my air conditioning up to medium. I don't, I don't want to, it's, I'd rather pull out my phone or walk up to the air conditioning or the thermostat. I don't want to ask my refrigerator, do I need milk? And the problem is as well, and we we talked earlier on the episode about overhyped technologies. There's been a kind of a, a backlash and a reduction in investment from a lot of these companies in the smart speakers because, those systems often don't work very well. No. Um, they don't always recognize what you say or they don't always interpret your command properly. Um, and then they become a pain in the neck. Plus as well with some of them, Amazon is now becoming really annoying for this. They will respond to your command and then sell, then advertise to you. They will they'll go, did you also know that on uh, that using using Alexa, we can do this for you? Or And it's just like, shut up. I don't want my refrigerator <laughs> just saying, did you know that milk is on sale at Walmart this Yeah, week? exactly. So what? so that's 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 the risk. Um, Plus, I don't want my refrigerator instance. listening to conversations that I'm having in my kitchen all the time. Yeah, yeah. So some people like that stuff. Some people don't. I, I Don't get me wrong. I have those systems and I use those systems. Um, so I'm sorry, there is a mix. Tim. You had a Twinkie this morning already. You cannot have another one. <laughs> Tim, another Twinkie? Don't you care about the way you look? You another Twinkie? Really? Yeah. Hey, Tim, it's six o'clock. Thank- Don't you need another Twinkie? <laughs> oh, sorry. Hey, Fatty. Hey, yeah. hey, Fatty, isn't it Twinkie time? <laughs> I walk into the hey, room. Here's your Twinkie. It's two in the morning. Yeah, we know. Yeah. Wink, wink. Hi, hi, Tim. You can have your Twinkie. I'm also going to book an appointment with your doctor. <laughs> yeah all right keep going how is the new jumbo ipad well it's not go on so little thing with tiger direct i i remember i even said this is such a cool deal i wonder if it was supposed to be five percent off not and someone typed in 50 percent off yeah because it was such a killer deal this was a brand new m2 12.9 ipad pro for 500 dollars. yeah <laughs> they they decided not to ship me one john what? shocking <laughs> but i used paypal to buy it and it took a week to get my money back yeah. they took my it's... money real goddamn quick but it took them yeah. a week to give me my money how, back how is that yeah i mean i get this i you know obviously i buy you and i both buy a lot from amazon is how come they can take your money from Amazon straight away. But if you return something, not only will they wait till it gets back to you, which I can kind of understand, but they'll now say, well, the fastest way to get your money back is to have an Amazon voucher, which obviously means you can buy something else from Amazon. Exactly. If you want it back in your bank account, then that'll be another seven days after we receive it. They say, <laughs> well, like- electronic transfers of money takes five to seven days. No. Why? Did you take it? <laughs> did you send? God damn it. Did you put on yeah. a pigeon again? Stop using there's, pigeon car- carriers. There's a guy it's in Seattle. It's electronic. It's a, it should be yeah. immediately. And like there's I, a guy in Seattle. Yeah, he, he there's a guy in Seattle. And he sits sits in front of this computer with a floppy drive on. Yes, it, and all all the refunds go, go onto through the floppy him. Drive. Yes, and when when the floppy fills up, yeah, then he has to take the floppy and drive across town to a different computer at the bank and put it in there to get the money. And that's why it takes so long. So I bought a car years ago, right? And yeah. the 
I paid for it via PayPal, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I would get money in my PayPal account. I would transfer the money from PayPal to that bank account, and that's how I was making car payments, and I paid it off early. For, it, was, it was kind of awesome. So anytime I transfer from PayPal to my bank account, I have two choices. Standard, which is one to three business days, and it'll show up on my account, or for, I think it's 5%, it's immediate. Well, what do you, are you, for the standard, are you sticking it on the 486 computer with the 2800 baud modem and eventually it'll go? Why is there a difference? Not only that, what is the 5% fee actually paying for? Immediate. I've got a feeling, yeah, no, but I've got a feeling the system they use for the immediate one is the same as the the other one. It's just, well, can we be bothered to press the button now? (laughs) Make your way three days. How how fast do you want it, huh? How important is this to you, Don't get me wrong, the bank might be charging a fee to do it immediately as well, but um, why? It's electronic. (laughs) It's not like someone has to enter something in. It just goes, it's it's there. it's It's like you say, when you pay for something, the money goes straight away. They seem to have got that down. So all you have to do is... Change the arrows around and send it the other way. Yes. You know, um, oh, we've, got, we've got to do checks. He also <laughs> if has... We're, uh, if we're paying money to you, then we need to investigate that. If you're paying money to us, we'll just take it. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. He also asks, how are my teeth doing? Well, I haven't yeah. done anything more yet. My next appointment is on March 1st. It's a four-hour procedure. It's going to yeah. suck ass. Um, but that's the next no pain, one. No gain. And then in the beginning of May, I believe, they put they do more stuff where they did the uh, implants. And then yeah. a couple weeks after that, I'll be done. So I've got so at when least you... three more appointments for the stuff. So how long between having the teeth finished and going to your first Scientology meeting? Uh, it's about six weeks. Okay. All yeah. right. That's not too bad. No, it gives you a bit of time to prepare. That's yeah. right. Okay. <laughs> He also says, I have uh, the Monster iPad Pro. Donnie, Donnie Yankalo from MyMac.com, uh, was able to find me find for me a few years ago. Also had a gorgeous refurb price, and I absolutely love it. Um, the, I was hesitant to pull the trigger on that 12-point-whatever-inch <laughs> iPad. Uh, once I did, I was looking forward to it, and I bought a case, which I still have to return. Um, yeah. But... In some respects, I'm kind of glad it didn't come because I still think it might be too big for my use case. Yeah, I, there's, there's, I've had I've had them a couple of because I've had loads of everything. Um, I've had them a couple of times. I'm currently looking at my 11 inch iPad Pro M1, um, and I find that the 11 inch works great for me. I have this case that is a bit like an origami case, and you can actually fold it so that the, the iPad is raised up a bit like the uh, Magic Keyboard. So it's actually raised up off the desk when it's folded out. Yeah. And then you can use a, a regular Bluetooth keyboard with it. That works pretty well. And I find it's good enough compared to the 12.9. The problem is the 12.9 is a big boy. And um, if you're doing some of the other iPad things you might do with it, like reading or browsing the web or something like that, and you're just holding it in your hand in a case, it's it's a little bit unwieldy because yeah, well, of the that's, size. That's my issue. I never use my iPad as a laptop ever. If I'm using my iPad, it's in my hand. As yeah. a tablet, that's how I use it, and, and I have no need for a keyboard for my iPad, zero, or a pencil yeah. because I'm I have no artistic ability at all. Um, yeah. So, I, I think it's probably when I replace this iPad, it's going to be with a smaller one because I just don't need the twelve point nine. I think the eleven inch yeah. is just perfect. So yeah. that's probably where I'm going. I do want the Pro though, and they do make the eleven Pro. Uh, yeah. I'm just not yeah, going to go with the I big have, dog. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They and, and I'm still incredibly frustrated with the fact that you've got a laptop class chip in here and you can't do yes. all the stuff you can do on a on a Mac. They really need to continue to evolve that and uh, really leverage the power. Because um, John said he's got an old one. He said he bought it a few years ago, yep. and he loves it and he still uses it. And that's a bit of a problem for the iPad. That you know you spend a thousand dollars on an M1 or M2 iPad Pro. And uh, you're not going to need one for a long time, you, unless your battery well, well, goes yeah, out or something. Yeah, the processor is is just sitting there, sat, sat all the time doing nothing. It's a hugely fast processor, and the iPad just does not make use of it. So correct. Yeah. So uh, go ahead. One final thing. 
John says, am I still waiting for the long version of David's report on his electric car or should I change the subject? So you are, and uh, we will do that. Yep. And we, we just it's need coming. to, we just need to put some time aside in the show to, uh, to get it done. And I need to bring my thoughts together. It's been good to wait a bit because I've had the car for about um, seven or eight months now. Um, and um, I, I do have thoughts and I have, you know, proper experience now, which uh, I think will uh, give us, give us some more insight into the, viability of electric vehicles today we'll wrap up with this um back in i'm gonna say november or december i got an email from sony saying hey you can get the next playstation you can sign up for the playstation vr helmet the new one coming out Mm -hmm. yeah and i said sure you know i figured it'd be like when i got the ps5 from them i got an email saying okay you now have an opportunity to buy one do you want to here's when you go buy one I thought it was going to be like that. So I got an email because I was thinking, I don't know if I really want to spend money right now on it. It's 500 and yeah. something dollars. And, it's really expensive. Yeah, yeah. So I got the email and I ignored it for a, a, a day or so because I knew what it was going to say. You now have the opportunity yeah. to buy one. Go here on this date and you can buy one. So I finally opened it up because I got another email from Sony that says, hey, your VR has shipped. Yeah. Wait, wait a minute. What it did? What now? I thought I was signing up for the opportunity to buy one. Yeah. Nope. They just went and charged my credit card. And they oh, oh right. So I was kind of assuming when they said it shipped that that meant they were sending you one to evaluate. But no, they They made you buy one. Yeah, they made me buy one, and they've already shipped it. It's going to be here Wednesday. (laughs) Cole is very excited. I'm a little irked that they just went. Well. Yeah, that is. Um, that's if, if you're going to change the way you're offering someone to buy this, make it clear that when I click this button, I'm telling you to charge my credit card because I want to buy one. Yeah. Because last time it was, here's your opportunity to buy one. And well, that's, not only that, if, if you want it back, if you want to send it back, I guess it'll be five to seven working days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I won't see that <laughs> money for a money month back. at least. Yeah. yeah. All right, so That's... we're going to wrap up this episode. We'd love it if you guys send us feedback. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. You can always go to uh, mymac.com or techfanpodcast.com and leave a message on the website, and we'll read them here. Or, of course, we are on Facebook and Twitter at techfanpodcast. David, as always, uh, fun to talk to you. I'll see you a week with uh, Geeks Pub. Hopefully, by then, you'll have had spent a little bit of time to go see the new Ant-Man movie because I have seen it. We are seeing it this week. So, so yes, we next week we that. will be talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. David, I'll see you then. See you then. See you then.